Um, we are looking in our continuation of the harmony of the Gospels. We're going to be looking at the adolescence of Jesus. Uh, again, this is uh, not a lot in the Scripture concerning the adolescence or the childhood of Jesus. We concluded last week the infancy of Jesus. I'm going to back up just a thought or two on that uh, before we as we can start this morning and go into what the Scripture has to tell us concerning the childhood of Jesus. So, with that thought in mind, let me ask you, what do you know about the childhood of Jesus? This is the time frame from the time he was born to the time he started his public ministry. What? He went to the temple when he was 12 years old. Okay. All right. What else? Anybody know anything else? But, sir? Okay. All right. Any other thoughts? Okay, class dismissed. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we know better. <laughs> All right. Well, let, we want to uh, look and see what the scriptures has to say, and what everyone has shared this morning is is definitely found pretty much most of it's within scripture, and some of it uh, is you know just common sense deduction uh, of what took place. But we want to look at what the scriptures tell us. So. I want to turn your attention to Luke chapter 2 once again. And uh, I'm going to start with verse 39. I know it says 41 in, in on the board, but we're going to back up to verse 39. It says, so when they had performed all the things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was just twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it, but supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to them, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And they, but they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and became and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. 
But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Now, uh, verse 39 tells us, you know, we, we looked at the, the infancy of Jesus. We talked about his being brought into the temple and there uh, the ritual of circumcision took place and Simeon, uh, the man of God that was in the temple, came and uh, found baby Jesus. And we also looked at uh, Anna, the prophetess that was there making prophecies about Jesus. Then we looked at the wise men, uh, how they came and they, they presented their gifts to the child Jesus and Mary, his mother, while they were in the house. That's where we ended last week. Uh, and then as a result of that, Matthew chapter um, 2, uh, it, we ended up by uh, bringing out the, the, the vision that, that God spoke to Joseph, said, look, you need to protect the child and his mother. You need to flee to Egypt. So they fled to Egypt. Joseph took Mary and Jesus to Egypt for a time frame, a season. Don't exactly know how long, but maybe a year, maybe two, something like that, because Herod the Great, King Herod the Great, now being his, his anger, being aroused by the wise men's deception and not coming back to uh, give him a, a definite location of where the child was. All he knew was in the city of Bethlehem. Uh, but he had determined from talking with the wise men a time frame uh, that he can deducted that, uh, that the child should be around two years old, somewhere between one and two years of age. So as a result, Herod struck out in anger and had and ordered all the children in Bethlehem, two years and younger, the male children, two years and younger, to be killed, hoping to uh, to uh, destroy the one born king of the Jews because he was very jealous of his position. He did not want to give that place up, and so he was determined that he was going to eliminate any competition. Uh, he did so within his own family. He definitely was going to do it with the, the child Jesus. So, Joseph and Mary and Jesus are in Egypt. Then the Bible says, Hey, Miss Nelda, good to see you. And uh, so we know that uh, the Lord appeared to Joseph once again and said, Okay, the one who was seeking the child's life is now dead. King Herod the Great had died. And so the Lord was telling Joseph, you go back and return back into your own country. So he gathered up their stuff. They headed back to Bethlehem. They were headed to Bethlehem. That's where they were when they left and went to Egypt. They had uh, obtained residence in a home, a house. Uh, and they, that's where they intended on going back. But as, as a result, they, as they entered back into Israel, they got word that Herod the Great's son was now reigning in the place of King Herod the Great. And Archelaus was just as ruthless as his father was. So Herod, uh, Joseph kind of got anxious about that. 
So the Lord appeared to him again and said, look, just go to Galilee. Go to the region of Galilee. And they ended up in Nazareth. That's how they were uh, became uh, back to Nazareth. Now, that's where they were from. Joseph and Mary were from Nazareth. Remember in the beginning, that's where they were whenever the Virgin Mary received the, the visit from the angel Gabriel. And that's where Joseph was when he received the visit from the uh, angel of the Lord. And, and all this started. All this chapter in their life began in Nazareth. So why were they not readily eager to go back to Nazareth when they came back from Egypt instead going back to Bethlehem? Well, there's a lot that could be said about that. You know, there's a stigma in Nazareth about their Mary's pregnancy and their engagement. So, you know, I'm pretty sure that they were not real eager to go back into that environment to receive all the gossip and everything that they had just got away from. Leonard? Any good thing come out of Nazareth. That's right. You're right. You know, in the beginning of our study, we look at the reputation of the city. It was a place for a Roman garrison, and it would had a Nazareth had a bad reputation of the Roman soldiers and the the young women of Nazareth. It was very very dark cloud over that city, and the reputation was of such that, as Leonard brought out. One of the uh, uh, men that Jesus later called to be a disciple of his, uh, Nathaniel, his first response when he heard that uh, they had found the Messiah and he was Jesus of Nazareth, Nathaniel said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? That's why his question was that. Because he knew of the reputation of the city of Nazareth. So they were, not, they were very reluctant to go back to Nazareth, but yet under the direction of God, that's where they ended up going and residing. And so we find that um, in our passage in Luke chapter 2 and verse 39, it says that once they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. So we see that there is a uh, quite a bit of things that took place in a time span in that verse because it leaves out the part in Luke about them going to Egypt and coming back and, and then ended up being led by God back to the city of Nazareth. So I bring that out to you to encourage you to remember study the Bible, Scripture to Scripture. You know, don't just take one passage and make build your whole uh the theological statement on it see what God has to say about every aspect of that in other places as well and then we'll get a little bit clearer picture of what God is trying to tell us now Luke remember if you would he's, his writing is based on eyewitness accounts of what took place he came along after the fact uh, you know he was not uh, he did not live through the uh, infancy, the incarnation, the infancy, and the adolescence of Jesus. He was, he was learning all this from eyewitnesses' accounts. And one of the best eyewitness 
this that he had uh, access to during this time concerning Jesus was his mother, Mary. So I'm sure he interviewed Mary, the mother of Jesus, and received this information, and he he began to write this out in the Holy under the Holy Spirit's direction, and giving us account of what the early years were like, etc. So, and different things. So we find that uh, they returned to the city of Nazareth. Now, what is interesting? Now, remember that Jesus is the eternal God. Jesus is the creator of the universe. Jesus was in the beginning. In fact, Jesus began the beginning. Comprehend that. I mean, in the beginning, God. I mean, He was there. But now we find in verse 40 of Luke chapter 2, it says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. The Lord Jesus Christ, eternal, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, immutable God, came and took the form of flesh, took the form of man, as is thus His incarnation, and He did not lose His divine attributes, but He chose within His own ability to put them aside, if you would, not to utilize those attributes and became 100% God, 100% man. Remember the term I, I shared with you what that described that? That is the hypostatic union. The deity and humanity coming together. Jesus was 100% God, 100% man together. It was not a blend of both. It was 100% both ways. He was 200%. I don't know how you get that, but that's the way He is. But we find though, as man, He came to identify with man so man could identify with Him that we might come to understand as Hebrews brought out later that we have a faithful high priest who, uh, who we can come to boldly and with confidence knowing that we can find grace in our, and to help us in our time of need. Well, he wanted us to know He knows everything and has experienced most everything that we have ever or will ever experience. That He knows where we're at where we're coming from. We can go to Him and He'll not be surprised at us being weak or being tired or being, you know, we, we get sometimes, you know, I'll confess, I get tired of in the work, the ministry. Not of the work, but in the work. Sometimes you get, just go and go and go and, uh, you know, there's no more go to go. Well, you do. It's gone. The yard goes too. The yard goes too. And uh, so we we understand that uh, uh, Jesus knows everything that we experience. When he knows that we get tired, he knows that the stress, the anxiety, the mental uh, pressures that we encounter through life, he he 
the Bible, as we continue in our study of the harmony of the Gospels, we'll find that he had to have sleep. He was sleeping on the back of a boat one time. We find that he had to get away from the crowds. You know, he came to minister to the people, but yet he said, Look, guys, he told his disciples, said, We've got to get a sneak away. We've got to get away. We've got to have some downtime uh, to, to replenish, regroup, refresh ourselves. So he understands that. So he understands everything that you uh, have encountered or can encounter or will encounter in life. He knows what it is to not be understood, to be misunderstood, to to be talked about, gossiped about. He understands what it is to not have friends, to be alone, if you would, because the Bible says that they, they all of his disciples forsook him. So he understands how uh, a, 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 what you consider a best friend can betray you, and how that hurts. He's experienced all that. He knows what it's like to lose a loved one as he stood at the graveside of Lazarus and others that he loved. So he understands all this. You know, We can go to him and talk to him about everything. But here we find that the Bible encourages us and tells us that the child grew and became strong in spirit. He matured physically, humanly, just like any other child. Now that's hard to comprehend for me. Hard for me to relate to because I think of Jesus as being the one that walked on the water. I don't think of him as being a little kid growing up, you know, in 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 Nazareth, you know, playing in the dirt streets. Uh, you know, I don't know what they did as far as playtime. Kick the can, have little little chunks of wood as trucks, and they make little dirt roads in the in the road. I don't know. He comes in all dirty and muddy. I don't know if he did that or not. But the, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking he was a little boy. You know, first mud puddle he came. Well, the first mud puddle he came to, he probably jumped slap in the middle of it. I mean, you know, you know, I don't know. Well, he didn't if his mother told him not to, because he never disobeyed. I don't understand that either. I definitely don't connect with that. But the, but the thing is, is that he grew. He matured just like any other child. Now, the Bible tells us that he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. But he still had to mature. In fact, in the, the very last verse, Verse 52, it says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So, Does your version say men or man? Man. Men. Man. Mine says man. Well, I didn't know what yours said. It's okay. Well, just more than one. That's right. Yeah. All, all mankind. Yeah. So, but we've, but here's, here's a, the, a concept I wanted to share with you this morning concerning the maturity of Jesus. Okay? And this is Robert's rendition. It's not, I can't go to the Bible and say this is what happened, but this is what I'm, because, you know, we just read everything concerning the adolescence of Jesus is given us in Scripture. That's all we know. So there's, he's, uh, we, we find in verse, uh, um, 
somewhere in there. They didn't say whether he went to the prom. No, I don't think he made it to the prom, but when he was told in verse 42, he was 12 years old. Okay, so we we go from the infancy, from the time that the wise men visited the child Jesus, to now he is 12 years of age. And then after verse 52, we go from the time that he's 12 years old to the next time we, we see something about him in the beginning, he's 30 years of age. So there's a great span of time that we do not know anything about uh, biblically uh, concerning the life of Jesus. So, you know, as is with humanity, you give a blank space to humanity and we're going to try to fill it in. Yes, ma'am. I noticed in a chart in the back of my book that Luke's the only one that mentioned the time that he was 12. Exactly. He was. He is the only one. And reckon where he got that information? From his mother. From his mother. I think so. And uh, we, uh, we'll also find out in, in the, the next chapter, in, in our next lesson, when we begin the inauguration of his public ministry, we'll find the time that he was 30 years old is when he began his public ministry. So there's our time frame. Uh, then after that, we gauge the time by the Passovers. But we'll get into all that later on. So, the child growing, thinking about this. You know, when uh, Jesus was growing up, you know, we, we've already under, we know and we've learned, we've understood that Joseph was a carpenter, and uh, Joseph and Mary were given the responsibility of raising Jesus. They were given that privilege and that responsibility of raising the child Jesus. So we have to look at the home environment first in order to begin to understand the development of the child Jesus. Now, Joseph was a Jew, so was Mary, thus so was Jesus, a Jew by nationality. So, you know, all this uh, won't know what Jesus looked like. He looked like a Jew. So whatever a Jew looks like, that's what Jesus looked like. So, but Joseph was a devout man. You remember in, in Matthew chapter 1, whenever the Bible says, it, it talks about uh, Joseph. It says that uh, he was a, a good man. He was a, a, a man that was very compassionate toward Jesus, uh, Mary. He, he wanted to do the right thing. He was a devout man. He was a pious man, a religious man. And he was a good Jew which means he took his responsibility very seriously. So, what would a Jewish home look like? What would a, uh, the environment of a, of a home life of Jesus look like? What, what would be the responsibility? How would they, Joseph and Mary, uh, flesh out their responsibility of being the parents of Jesus? Well, First of all, I want to bring your attention to Deuteronomy. All the way back to Deuteronomy, chapter 6. I think you'll begin to 
understand some things as we begin to develop this lesson. I hope it will it come together. You think he ever got spankings? I think you ought to ask him. <laughs> uh, I don't know. He got spiked. He got spiked when he stood in the temple and made him look for him three days. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he was the one that scolded his parents. Well, we'll 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 go. We're going to look at that. It's it. The first read it appears that way. Yeah. But here's, here's the environment in which Jesus grew up, I believe. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, in verse 4, begin reading verse 4, the Scriptures tell us, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Now notice especially verse 7 and following. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as the frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Now I want to also look at uh, chapter 11. Deuteronomy, verse 18. Deuteronomy 11 and 18 says, Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, like the days of the heavens above the earth. For if you carefully keep all these commandments which I have commanded you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, and to hold fast to Him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you, and you will dis dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourselves. One other uh, passage, and that is Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8. And then I'll share with you some thoughts. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8. The Bible tells us, my son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. The environment in which Jesus, the child, grew up. He grew up hearing about, learning the Scripture, the Old Testament Scripture. I believe Joseph took his responsibility very seriously. Remember now, you know, we, I keep it in my in my mind, the back of my mind, that that you know Joseph and Mary both um, were visited by the angel Gabriel, and they were both told of the the originality of Christ, that He is God in the flesh. He's coming 
to be born of a virgin, take on the form of man. And, you know, they knew this message that He would be called Emmanuel, God with us. He is the Son of the Most High God. They had this information. You know, whether they comprehended that, I don't think they fully comprehended the complete spectrum of that reality and that truth, as we'll learn later on. But they still had that information. So they, Joseph took his responsibility very seriously in raising the child, Jesus. And he taught, as Deuteronomy, uh, the, the, the Jewish people were taught by the rabbis, this is the way we do it. We teach our children. We are the ones responsible for our children. Unlike what we do today, we leave all the biblical spiritual teaching up to the church or to the school or to someone else. We as parents, some most time, fail to take our responsibility as seriously as the Jewish people did and the fathers of the household did in teaching their children day and night and all the while. Yes, sir. The Jews, whenever the temple was burnt, they basically turned their back on the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible, and they started living by the words of the rabbis. The words and writings of the rabbis. They don't go the Talmud. Yes, I, I understand that. I understand that. But they still taught the first five books of the Bible, much of, of which, the, of course, the Pharisaic leaders were rebuked by Jesus for taking the, tr- the tradition of man over the commandments of God. He w- definitely rebuked them of that. And yes, they were teaching the people that as well, but still they had the reading in the synagogue of the Scriptures. In fact, Jesus read Himself when He began the public ministry out of Isaiah. So they were very familiar. Oh, today. Well, I'm, I'm talking about back then, in Jesus' day. So, but... Joseph was, was, was teaching the child Jesus. He was telling him about the story and the creation uh, in Genesis. And he was talking about Noah's Ark. And he was teaching child Jesus about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And he was teaching uh, the child Jesus the history of the Israel nation. And I just envision in my mind... Jesus sitting there engrossed in what Joseph was teaching him because it was resonating within his young heart and mind. Now, the Bible says he grew in wisdom and stature. So he was being taught. He was being, you know, and I can't comprehend all this and I can't make it all fit, but I believe it because the Bible says it. But Jesus is the eternal Word. But He's the incarnate Word. But He is also the child uh, in humanity and He had to be grow and He had to nurture. And so He understands how, how it is to learn about the Bible. Learn about God's Word. So He began to grow in understanding and wisdom. And He grew, he, he grew in wisdom because of the Word of God and, what, and how His father or His earthly father taught Him, Joseph taught Him the Scripture. Proverbs says, you know, do not forsake the instruction of your father. So Jesus understood that. He understood what Mary was teaching him. And I figure 
Mary and Joseph both shared with child Jesus all the events prior to his birth. The you know, angels sat there and sat and was thinking, I already know that. I do not think so. <laughs> I think I think whenever he took on the form of flesh, he put aside he his um, omniscience, his all knowing. But the uh, God man knew it. Huh? He was uh, he was also one hundred percent God and the and the God I understand that, but he also he also came to be human. He came to, as a man to be a man, to relate to men so men could relate to him, and for him to be able to die for men. He had to be the perfect man in order to be the perfect sacrifice. He had to be able to sin and not sin. Okay. But we find that the whole point here is that Joseph was teaching his child. Raising the child just like a normal child, though he knew that Jesus was not normal, per se. Yes, ma'am? But it is kind of strange that even though we know he was God from the time he was born, that Mary and Joseph still trained him to be a carpenter in case he had to make a living Well, that was part of the responsibility of the head of the house, of the Jews. They trained their children in the trade that they knew in order to grant them a livelihood, if you would. You know, Joseph didn't know anything past what the angel had told him about the birth of Christ. He didn't know, he didn't have a, I don't believe, that the angel brought to Joseph said, here's a book of how to raise Jesus. You know, this is what you do on this day, and this is how you what you teach him here, and this is what he's going to do on this occasion, and this is how he's going to make his living. This is what he's is going. He didn't have all that information. He he was kind of like us. How many of you received a a playbook when you had your first child, or your second child, for that matter? Of course, the whole book is different on your second child. The first child is. You know, everything's just so, so prim, proper, just, you know, we're watching out. And, you know, you don't do this, you don't do that. And the second child, you know, anything goes just about. Uh, But Joseph did not have that kind of information. He was raising a child just like we raise our children. Yes, ma'am. I'm thinking about the first part of John where it said, in the beginning was the Word, the Word became flesh. So the Word had to be kind of ingrained in him even through his childhood. It resonated with him. Yes. Yes, but he still had to learn it as a child. He was and a good people. And right? that's, that's the thing that I is hard to comprehend, but nonetheless, it's a reality. Yes, sir. Go. I remember somewhere in there they said that Jesus was a carpenter. Yes, sir. So if he was a carpenter, and somebody had to teach him to do a carpenter. That's right. Probably with his dad. I believe that he learned that trade from Joseph, his dad. Yes, I do. I do. And he knew at 12 he had, he had some business he had to take care of with God. Yes, ma'am. He was being for three days. Right. He understood that at 12 years old. But before we get to the 12, he had to learn about a lot of other things. And uh, we, we find that he grew just like any other child. And I think that as he grew, he was very observant. Probably more so than the normal child, but nonetheless, he was very observant, whether it was between 
his infancy and adolescence are between the twelve and the, the age of twelve and the age of thirty when he began his public ministry. But throughout that time, he was very observant young man because he uh, he he knew about a lot of things. He observed, I'm sure, as he went on normal life, uh, the lilies of the field. He mentioned the lilies of the field during his public ministry. He observed the sparrows of the air and how they were taken care of. He mentioned them. He observed the, the ways of a farmer and a vine dresser because he knew a lot about that aspect and that trait. He knew a lot about uh, uh, the sufferings of people because he had seen funerals. He had seen uh, good times and bad times in people's lives. He had seen all these things that took place. And all this was ingrained within his mind, if you would. And he used these as illustrations. He knew about the ways of a shepherd very clearly. He understood that because he used all these analogies in his teaching, in his presentation of, of, uh, of the truth of God. But we find that... Uh, he grew and he matured. And then we find in, back in Luke chapter 2, we find that Jesus and his, was taken to Jerusalem at the age of 12. This is a custom uh, within the Jewish nation even today that at the age of 13, a male child reaches manhood. It's called a, they have the bar mitzvah. You ever heard that term bar mitzvah? Do you know what that means? Son of the commandment. That's what bar mitzvah means. That he becomes the son of the commandment. And he's, he reaches uh, adulthood, if you would, at the age of 13. Uh, that, that's incomprehensible too, at the age of 13. I can't see someone at age 13 being an adult, but they are well trained, well disciplined, even at that age. But we find that Jesus is approaching his bar mitzvah, and he goes apparently the first time back to Jerusalem from the time that he was presented there as a child uh, there in his birth. So at age 12, he goes with his parents, and it says that. <clears throat> The, that they go to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12, uh, he went up uh, with them as the custom to the feast. Every year, the Jewish males were required to go to Jerusalem to observe the Feast of the Passover uh, and, and to present offerings there. So three times in a year, but the, this was the Feast of the Passover. And we find that Jesus was accompanying them, um, he and Mary at that time. <clears throat> it says that they finished the days, which was a week uh, that they spent there in that observance, the week of unleavened bread and all the, the observance of the things that we've already looked at in Leviticus uh, concerning this. <clears throat> they had finished the days. They began to return uh, back to Nazareth. They had come with a group 
maybe by this time they had overcome a lot of the stigma of the, the, the pregnancy of Mary. They had acquired friends. They had relatives there in Nazareth. They had come from Nazareth to Jerusalem to the, observe the, the Passover feast. Now they were returning to Nazareth as well. And the Bible says that uh, they, Joseph and Mary, uh, thought that Jesus was with his cousins or something, playing, you know, along with the other group. He was in another car on another camel somewhere uh, heading to Nazareth. Uh, They didn't know he wasn't there. But they went a day's journey before they discovered Jesus wasn't there. Now, what would be the first thought in a parent's mind when you have lost your child? I don't know about you, but the first thing that comes through your mind is something negative. Panic. You know, somebody panic. Yeah, you know. And now I hear Joseph and, and Mary, they're tearing up the, the camp. They're looking for Jesus. They can't, He cannot be found. They, they say, oh man, we're... How do you lose Jesus? You know, how do you lose you? The parents lost Jesus. Can you imagine uh, thinking about that? You know, later on in life. You know, uh, I'm thinking. You know, Luke, whenever he was interviewing Mary and getting this information from her, you know, I can just picture in my mind sitting around the coffee table and Luke on one side, Mary on the other, and and. Uh, Mary said, let me tell you about the day we lost Jesus. You know, wow. But we find that He was gone. So they, they, did, they backtraced their steps. They went back to Jerusalem, began to looking uh, at, for Jesus to try to find Him. And, and they went all over the place. It says for three days they looked for Him. And they finally found Him in the temple. Now that's that's a key point that we need to understand that Jesus was in the temple. That should have been the first place Joseph and Mary looked for baby Jesus. Why? Because they knew from the angel Gabriel's message who He was, what He was coming to do, and they should have realized, okay, Jesus, the child at twelve, put two and two together, He is now in the temple, which is the house of God. And God is His Father. So He is there at His Father's house. And He's there conversing with the, the lawyers and the doctors and the teachers of the law. These men that have given their life in studying Scripture and to be able to teach, Nicodemus may have been there. I don't know. Uh, uh, you know Joseph of Arimathea may have been there. They were in the, the younger themselves, you know, because it they'd had to grow old, old if they if he was already that age. But they were listening to Jesus. They were he was asking them questions. They were asking him questions. He was giving great answers. He he had the ability at the age of twelve to comprehend the word of God and make a practical assessment of the scriptures and the truth and being able to relay to them clearly uh, what the word of God meant. And they the Bible says they 
were amazed. Amazed at this child, 12 years of age, what they heard from him, his wisdom, his understanding. And the Bible says that Joseph and Mary finally came to the temple and they they found where Jesus was and they were amazed at what was going on at the scene before them. But Mary, the mother, of course, frantic with panic. Joseph as well, because they had lost Jesus. They found Him now. And they, they asked Him, Why did you, uh, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your Father and I have sought you anxiously. We were beside ourselves. We thought the worst had happened. We've been looking for you. And Jesus. I'm going to you up when I get you home. Mary probably wanted to do that then. Imagine. But Jesus responded. Now, I know that it, it sounds like a rebuke, but actually, it's. Uh, in reality, it is a statement of fact. And Jesus is bringing Joseph and Mary to a, re, a place of reality of where He's at. He says, Why did you seek Me? Why were you so anxious and tearing up Jerusalem looking for Me? You should have known where I was going to be. I'm at My Father's house. Don't you know? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And he wasn't in there building rocking chairs and cabinets as a carpenter. He was about his father's business. So do you, is it possible that this was the very first time that, that Jesus basically portrayed his future? That his parents didn't know from, the, from other than being told by the angels that they they now because they didn't understand so if they didn't understand he's never done this before anything right. like this right so I believe that as they were teaching him the Old Testament scriptures and they brought out the the references of a redeemer being promised the messianic promises in the Old Testament and they shared with him about uh Genesis chapter three the fall of man and Adam and Eve sin and God the Father providing for them a lamb, a sacrificial animal to provide coats of skin to cover their nakedness. And he read about and he learned about Isaac being offered by Abraham as a sacrifice and God providing a lamb uh, for as a substitute. And as they began to teach to him Isaiah the prophet and, and read Isaiah chapter 53 about the prophetic suffering of the Messiah for the redemption of mankind I believe the child Jesus was making connection he said that's about me but up to this point Mary and Joseph they, were just treating him like a normal kid that's it that's it they didn't they they did not connect Other the dots right they weren't able to connect the dots because it says they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them so they had not connected all the dots at this point. But Jesus now, I think, was aware even at this early age of His purpose for coming. Yes, sir. Yeah, I always thought it was interesting too that Mary took the lead in questioning the Son Jesus. You know, um, it was that Joseph. But it makes sense because Mary, you know, gave birth to him, and, and Dad with Joseph was just a title. 
Well, usually the mothers in a situation like that are the ones that are most active, involved. You know, you know, it, it, the the husbands over there trying to, the calm down, calm down. You know, but yes, ma'am. I think he became aware that he was about to do bar mitzvah soon. His manly side of him was taking off. Oh yes. Right. That he was among doctors and asking them questions right. and listening. So he was aware that he was about to become a man. He, he was taking the step. Yes, ma'am. I agree with that. But his childhood was unlike anybody else's, but it was still a childhood. And he was still human. He was still a, a 100% child, young boy, uh, mud holes and everything, I imagine. Uh, but the thing is, he was also an exceptional child in that he connected the dots in what he was doing, why he came, and why his purpose at a very early age. And uh, we find that the Bible says that at the end of that, and, and he said, I must be about my father's business, which was present the truth of God. His father's business was the spiritual eternal work not carpentry, though he was not rebuking, did not refuse being taught carpentry, he was still understanding of who his real father was and his real purpose was eternal and spiritual. And they didn't understand that statement, kind of went over their head, but but the Bible says that, that Mary in all these situations pondered them in his heart, in her heart says that he went down with them to Nazareth, became subject to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. He continued to mature in every way. So, the adolescence of Jesus, not very much given to us biblically, but we can can comprehend and, and, and come to a certain amount of understanding of him growing and maturing as a normal child just like any other child to a degree you know there's a lot of it we cannot comprehend but nonetheless it is a reality he did grow he was a child yes ma'am so wouldn't you think that he um, helped his father in the carpentry business his ministry didn't take off when he was sure i believe he was working right beside joseph yeah and it also i think if if it is needful to point out this is probably the last reference to Joseph. I don't know how much longer uh, he was around in, Je- in Jesus' life, but this was the last reference to Joseph uh, that I've been able to determine. Uh, he wasn't there at the crucifixion, right? <clears throat> No, I believe, I believe and a lot of scholars believe that he had already died. Uh, somewhere along the way, and may have even died before Jesus began his public ministry. You know, so I don't doesn't say. So uh, that's next week, Lord willing, we'll kick off with the inauguration of the public ministry of Jesus. Now, this morning, uh, 